February 19, 2021, it's a lot for Pedro's show. Thank you. 
Walk from Pedro Show. Happy Friday. Uh, start off with I Talk to the Trees, John Coltrane. Oh, man. How do you pronounce this? Thistolalia. Maybe. That works. Okay. Ah, see, people, you can tell it's not. Yeah, Brother Matt, he's at the Love Grotto on the Pleasure Point because we're still in quite quarantino mode, but what? not totally man alone. As the Skype engineers from Estonia, the Righteous Invention, we got Greg Kelly aboard. Uh, Greg, welcome aboard. Yes. <laughs> and uh, I'm talking to you in Boston? I'm in, yeah, Somerville, Massachusetts, right across the river from Boston. Somerville. I played there. There was a, maybe they closed now, but uh, there was a gig there. When would that have been? Well, last tour I did was a year and a half ago. Oh, it's probably a place called Once, which I That's it. just posed down. That's it. Yeah. And I liked it. It was a good gig. It was kind of an old-timey ballroom or something. Yeah, and it's about a mile from where I live now, but I I was living in Seattle for six years, so I actually never went there, and I moved here and was looking forward to seeing that venue, and then because yeah, of all this happen. going on, it's closed you down. Know, you know, to get to it, I had to drive right through Harvard, Harvard. <laughs> Like yeah. through the fucking school, Travis. You know, Boston Travis. Uh, well, I, no grid. It was uh, built on cow paths or something, so it could be a little tough. Yeah, definitely not a grid. Uh, well, we got grid here, and it's fuck traffic. You know, too much, too much cars is too much car. Anyway, uh, let's learn about your journey through music. What, what, Greg, tell me your earliest. Oh, first, let's give credit to Evan Lipson for the connect, brother Evan. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Thanks, Evan. Your your earliest. Musical recollection, please, Greg. Yeah, early recollections. I don't have any sonic memories, but I remember a lot from pictures and stuff. My parents had some pictures of me when I was three, and I was apparently really into Elton John, so I had star glasses on and cape and stuff like that. So I guess I was into Elton John, but I have no real memory of it. And then after that, I remember some records. I remember I had a Jigsaw record for some reason and Kiss Alive 1 or 2. Okay, uh... Um, where was this? This was in North Attleboro, Massachusetts, which is southeast near closer Providence than Boston. Okay. And uh, the pad uh, you grew up in, did, was there musical instruments? Not really. We had a upright piano, but I'm not sure when that arrived. I might have already been a teenager before that showed up. Did you ever jump on it? Oh, yeah. Now, did, yeah. You, did, did you have to do the lessons thing? I never did piano lessons. Yeah, that's what I, I did. just that's mostly... What I did fooled around on it that's what i meant because uh well you know the piano used to be in the rhythm section with the bass and the drum so was the guitar they weren't loud they didn't have amps yet so everybody had to get together and just you hear them stomping on those fucking eight notes it's it's a trip so i'm just curious about that what about school were you in the choir the marching band because i mean you end up on trumpet so i'm, I'm wondering yeah i was in the band i in fifth grade, they sent around a list of available instruments. And I remember I brought it home and I didn't really have any specific idea from music I'd heard that I wanted to do, but I just arbitrarily kind of chose drums. And my mother said, absolutely not. <laughs> We're not having drums in this house. So she suggested I played clarinet. I didn't like the sound of that. So ended up on trumpet. Okay. And uh, like, uh, was it was it like the orchestra or was it the marching band? Uh it was probably like a wind ensemble and then marching band. But when I was in seventh grade, the high school band actually didn't have enough people in it. So they recruited some people from junior high school. So me and a small group of friends actually ended up playing the high school marching band in junior high, which wow. we liked for a little bit until you get a little older and don't get along well with the 
people on the football team and at sophomore year I basically said I can't I can't play I can't do this anymore <laughs> yeah what about at home uh, first record you bought with your own money was it Elton John it wasn't I'm not actually sure what it would have been but remember it's a lot from Pedro show there's no hard questions and no wrong answers <laughs> <laughs> well I do remember for some reason buying three cassette tapes on one day and it was a uh, Genesis Invisible Touch Duran Duran Notorious and uh, General Public. Yeah, I ask because, you know, when you're a kid, you don't have a lot of money, so it's interesting. Yeah, lawnmower money. Went yeah, to that. right, right, right. What about the first gig you saw? First gig I saw was not my choice. My sister and her friends wanted to go see Huey Lewis in the news, <laughs> and, my, and my dad did not want to go alone with these uh, young girls, so he brought me around for company. <laughs> And Tower of Power was the horn section for, for him in that tour. So that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, something about him. Like, I, th there was a band from the city called the Mutants. And uh, everybody said that th they stole one of their songs, right? A new drug. <laughs> I, I got a new drug or something. can't remember. But the Mutants were funny. It was this short guy singing, and he had two uh, ladies singing with him. They're taller, and they're a trippy band, the Mutants. Uh, I just wonder, you know, yeah, you didn't even get to pick it, right? You were hostage with your pop turkey. So, <laughs> Could be worse. Now, trumpet. You know, I should I should ask, because the marching thing, I heard, like, the bone is what you wanted because the big mouthpiece, like the little mouthpieces on the trumpets when you're marching is kind of tough. Is that true? I don't know if it was better for trombone or... it, was, it Yeah, it could be painful. And in New England, you end up playing, you know, in, in some cold weather. But the worst part for me was when I got braces. <laughs> yeah. That was brutal. Wool suits, not good in the summer. <laughs> but No, no. <laughs> I think ours were polyester. We couldn't, <laughs> okay. we weren't that fancy. Okay. Okay. Now, but being a trumpet man, was all your instruction in school or did you get a, a teacher? I got a teacher who ended up being great this uh guy named Donna Hearn, who I, I had to look up whatever happened to him, but he was my first teacher and just great, great guy. And it's funny, my mom, when she was a kid, she wanted to play the flute, but they kind of told her, everybody wants to play the flute. We need people to play French horn. You're going to play French horn. She didn't enjoy French horn, so she quit after a year. But she mentioned this to my trumpet teacher, and he actually hooked her up with a flute teacher that she's still friends with i don't think she takes lessons with her anymore but oh, yeah he was okay. good yes teachers can be like the deal breaker with music especially with young people it seems if they're not good at it they put a bad taste but yeah stuff like that french horn i think he has an even trippier mouthpiece it does and then you have to have your hand in the bell so the <laughs> you know condensation drips out on your hand there is a bass <laughs> excuse me a bass man right from the who john entwistle there's a french horn solo and pictures of lily right in the middle of the song uh, but uh, what about the thing after school, bedroom band, basement band, you know, garage I had a very band? Sh yeah, short-lived band that played in the garage. We I don't think we ever even had a gig, but because I was playing trumpet, but I was more into punk rock, alternative rock, and stuff like that. Sonic Youth and Cure and it seems like those the punk kind of scene, bands. A punk scene trumpet would be um, maybe ska. Yeah, and I didn't really play. I played with one <laughs> one guy who was really into ska and yeah. did that, but. 
Otherwise, people used to make. Uh, there was a few years of the Warp Tour where they had a lot of ska bands, and I thought all the kids in the school bands, you know, doing the horns and stuff, like really happened, and they can, you know. Yeah, finally their moment has come. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't find anything like that, uh, so I ended up in this sort of I don't know what we were trying to do. It was kind of a mishmash, like kind of a metal guy on guitar and uh, you know punk rock bass player with spiky hair and i was on vocals for some reason but that didn't last okay <laughs> that was hoping. kind of it and then me and um a couple other guys in the high school band a drummer bass player and a saxophone player started a, a quartet ended up being called the last chance quartet based on the precocious bass player who was really into john cage and talked to us about chance operations and that was kind of a oh avant-garde Avant-garde. Yeah, we weren't that avant-garde, but no. But this guy's this opens up maybe your first introduction to that because the school music wasn't avant-garde. Yeah, we were not going to. Yeah, you know, definitely. Yeah, we were we were head that way. We just couldn't. We hadn't found anything yet. But yeah. this guy covered Cage. You know, uh, I don't know if you know about Minutemen music, but we we incorporated trumpet later on, like with Project Mersh. I think uh, Buzzer Howe was the first time a buddy of ours named Crane. It was almost like the fourth minute man. Did he oh, cool. really? Yeah, he he even wrote songs to the trumpet and stuff. So that's why I always uh, think of punk is not a style of music. It's kind of state of mind. You know, I want to play this. Uh, how do you pronounce this? Uh, Nim Nimpergen. This Nim, Nim. Well, we made it up. So okay. It's, uh, but yeah, uh, Nimprine. Nimprine. Okay, I want to play Bliss. Viscera? Sounds good.
business. Sunlight rain, rain, bending all the east to west. When night applies the break, until the whole place crash. So let the daylight out and images to be the fact. They're in the break the door, so all the time holds back. I fear I am imagining that such a thing can really be. I know can it's all made up or any way concealed from me. Help me, cause I need the desperateest of remedies. I need to feel your kiss, I need a chance to spin. My energy imagining wouldn't interfere. Then you will get back twice the social thing you live. I wanna slip into the break and crack and dawn wide. To meet my funny friends and look like they got drawn by. See if only I could draw.
Bye for Pedro show. Nim uh, Perrin, uh, Greg's going to enlighten you to the <laughs> history of naming their band this. Sure, yeah, Nimprine, Nimprine was Nimprine. A, a name that uh, Baha Brainy, saxophone player, and I came up with. And I had a book, Peter Bowler's Book of Weird and Wondrous Words. It just had words that had fallen out of use. And in there, there was a phrase, ignotum per ignotius, which meant the unknown through the more unknown, which we really liked. And we just chopped out some of the vowels and ended up with Nimprine. And it's always been a question of how do you pronounce it, but that's how it sticks in your mind. Well, you know what? A lot of English is you got to hear somebody say it first. Look at the way they spell ice. <laughs> the fuck's that about? <laughs> anyway, uh, Bliss Viscera, Nimprine. And the Crack of Dawn from uh, Richard Held Voidoid. Uh, he, Richard put out uh, he said, he, his double CD and he remixed Destiny Street. Beautiful. Crack of Dawn. Thirsty More with the Town. Something he just recorded. Obama's Prendon, La Lassitude. Uh, D.C. area. Hans Rotten out of uh, Switzerland with the demo Fingertip E Guitar Synth. Yeah, what a title. <laughs> 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 Natasha Vagina <coughs> with Mamsel's Musins. This is Maya's Ma uh, uh, in the city. I think she plays for the, the big band there. Uh, symphony. Uh, the guy who mixed Double Nickels on the Dime, Ethan James, and recorded it, he was doing Hurdy Gurdy for that band. Well, oh, nice. I don't call it a band, maybe orchestra. <laughs> and uh, Halbians from England, Ma Ain't Psycho Anymore, X. Is X a hug or is it a kiss? It's one of the, remember, but some people sign XO as a I think salutation. It's a kiss. Okay. So maybe that's why it's got an X at the end. And then February 9, 2000, part four. Greg Kelly, Vic Rollins. Okay, so after school, not after school like in the afternoon, but you get out of high school, you uh, further your music, your trumpet, with more education, right? Yeah, I went to Peabody Conservatory in Baltimore. Baltimore. To, to study uh, classical music. There's a great cat uh, making music there named Door. He's got this band called Network Glass. Well, band, it's him. Network Glass. Check him out. Anyway, go on. Yeah, so I went there to, I thought, uh, start a career in classical music, but didn't didn't end up that way. But the teacher that I had there, a guy named Wayne Cameron, was really helpful for me and his attitude was basically I'll teach you how to play the trumpet I don't care what you do with it outside of that and then Peabody had a great music library so I'd spent a lot of time in the music library just listening to records looking at books and practicing and at this time no bands just totally study your music uh, I think when I I'm not sure when this started, but um, me and my roommate at the time was a recording major there, and he had access to the recording studio. So we started just going in there after hours and 
playing around, just figuring out different recording techniques, playing with reel-to-reel machines, and uh, just really, really experimenting. But we ended up calling ourselves Le Fleur de Mal. We put out a couple of cassettes. The Bad Flower? Yeah, the uh, Baudelaire home. <laughs> right, right. Or was right. it Rambo? <laughs> Well, yeah, drunken boat, season in hell, it was part of that. Story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was this, I remember early Minuteman uh, trying to write songs and using Rimbaud lyrics where he had, the, the vowels were like colors or some shit, but I didn't realize that he was writing in French, I was right, reading translations. <laughs> so. Yeah, translations can be. Uh, of course, you know. Catchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can you imagine? So uh, that, but that's that's it. Uh, okay, so this band does a lot of uh, or, or duet. It does a lot of uh, recording. Huh? Did you guys do gigs? We did a couple of gigs, and we ended up having a guitar player later on near the end of my college tenure. But yeah, we did one performance in uh, Washington D.C. for dancers, and we were kind of up on the balcony just making a ruckus while the dancers were down on the on the floor in this big reverberant room. And then played at a place called the 14 Karat Cabaret in um, in Baltimore. That was probably my first real outside of school gig that I ever played. And remember, we were on a bill with a uh, a poet who he dressed up like a bird and he chained himself to a chair and read Thule Kupferberg poems. And then uh, they read his own poems. <laughs> How'd you know he was a poet? <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe he wasn't. <laughs> and then uh, a guy named Karaoke Man was on the bill. And then a group with... Uh, <laughs> Sounds like vaudeville. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it was a wild, it was a wild place. Yeah. But then the other group on there was a group, uh, two reed players, Paul Hoskin and John Deerker, and a percussionist named Sean Meehan, who were people that I ended up... Uh, Paul and Sean are two people I ended up playing with later on in life. So that was good time, 1994. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was a fortuitous connect, right? Yeah, people, some people, they'll write off a gig before they even play, and, and you, you never know the consequences. Right. It might end up being your last gig. I, I just, I don't understand that mentality of people. What do you call them? Uh, even if, if they're uh, not well attended, we call those character builders. If you can't play oh, yeah. those gigs, you shouldn't be allowed to play the other guy. Those end up sometimes being really great. Absolutely, gigs. absolutely. Played at a record store in in the Nimprine. Um, played at this record store in Frederick, Maryland, called Interzone. And I think before it was Interzone, it was another record store that the Boredoms actually did an in-store in. Ah, but um. We, we sent them a CD. They said, yeah, come and play. We had a date. We had this month-long tour across the country, and this was kind of near the end of the tour. And somebody bought the CD. He listened to it and threw it in the bins. Somebody bought it, and this kid kept writing to us about how excited he was to come to the gig, and he was going to bring all his friends. And So we get there, and it was just him and one <laughs> friend and the guy who ran the record store. And... We just decided let's just do this in the in the pitch dark. So we turned all the lights out, played this pitch dark gig, and um, yeah, it was it was more memorable than some of the gigs that we played that were 
well attended. That's happened to me a lot. You know, it's it's weird what makes a good gig. Uh, you know, of course, for the promoters, probably not that many options. <laughs> but for the, the dudes making the music, expressing themselves, yeah, there's a lot of things. And it can be a character builder and be, or cave, that's another <laughs> you call <it> metaphor, <laughs> allegory. Well, they end up being good training for just the rest of life. Yeah, too. absolutely. I mean, if you can navigate some of these situations and get out alive, and especially if you <laughs> get paid, I mean, that's pretty impressive sometimes. Yeah. Look, we're at the end of the first hour, February 19, 2021. Edition Watt Pedro Show special guest, Greg Kelly. Hold tight for hour two. February 19, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
let's hear it for the boys Who refuse to censor themselves for what is the point Thank you. 
Waffle Pedro Show. We start off the second hour off with Glass from Nim Prime. <laughs> Whistle and Slide, uh, something live from Sam Lock Ward, the Quiet Man, uh, Iowa City. Known as Inconspicuous with Macroglossin. That's a title. Macroglossin. Uh, ben Lee within the silence. Ben Salter with the streets of Verdansk. And finally, Greg Kelly for fans, 97. For fans. Four fans. For, for fans. Uh, oh, four fans. I think like the number. It yes. is the number. <laughs> yeah, because when we get the next chunk of music, I'm going to play Never Give Them What They Want. So I was thinking, what the fuck? It's for the fans. No, it's for fans. <laughs> so it's like we were talking off air with the character builders in the caves, working a cave cave circuit. In uh, uh, 94 is when you got that band together? 94 was near the end of it. I was in okay. college from 91 to 95. And throughout most of that time, uh once I started working on this project with um, the other guy in the group who named Sean Finn. Um, and yeah, 94, I think it was our last year there, 94, 95, and then kind of petered out after that. We didn't really keep in touch and that was it. But you went on with trumpet, right? Yes. In fact, in fact, uh, Nim Prime is a current endeavor. It is. Yeah, we're going on year 21. 21. Okay, okay. And this is with Bob, right? Who's got an H in his name. <laughs> yes. And we, we don't play a lot. The last time we played was 2014, but it's just one of those things that it, it's ongoing but infrequent. And he plays a tiny little sax, right? Soprano, curved soprano. A cur that's what it is. It's a curved soprano. Who was it? Sidney Bechet? The straight ones. John Coltrane was inspired. I guess they were like popular in the, uh, like the C, the key of C trumpets. Uh, Philip Sousa, John Philip Sousa used that. And so they went out of style. John Coltrane brought it back. But it was from Sidney Bechet. In the Miles book, it's funny. He says he gave him the horn. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, of There's a lot of bullshit. You know, whatever. It's I good think part, book. Most of it's made up. The, the Quincy Troop one, have you read that? Yeah, I like it. It's still, even with the bullshits, it's still good read, I think. And also the Charlie uh, Mangus one, Beneath Underdog. Uh, so you leave Baltimore. Yes. And then where, does, where does music take you? I went back to Boston. Well, Back to North Albert, actually. I lived with my parents for about eight, eight months after college. Got a job in Boston. Uh, waited till I saved up enough money and moved into the city. But at that time, my old trumpet teacher in, in high school, a woman named Jean Snodgrass, she had been playing in a group called the Aardvark Jazz Orchestra. And I think they needed someone to fill in for a gig. So I ended up playing with them before I even moved into the city. And so in uh, 96, played with them for maybe four years. 
which wasn't frequent. I think maybe four times a year there'd be a gig, but that was kind of my first thing that I was doing musically when I moved moved back to Boston. And you you're, you're helping them, right? Set your own material. It's their material. Yeah. It's a guy named Mark Harvey who he kind of a legendary Boston guy on the scene who was putting together shows in the 60s and 70s and he wrote most of the music but then every once in a while we'd do some Duke Ellington or some other big band music but yeah so I was just reading charts and then improvising well were you uh composing on your own not really okay All, I was I was starting to fool around with a, a four track yeah so I was kind of composing in that I'd have an idea, but all the material was improvised, but the way I'd put it together, not traditional composition, but. Yeah, yeah, I've had a few, uh, a lot of people on, like Jack Wright and uh, Bob Marsh and old timers, oh, right? Yeah. And the, they come from the school of, you compose, I think Bob called it jumping from the pole. <laughs> You're composing, <laughs> but it's in the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I played with both of those guys. Yeah, beautiful, uh, really inspiring. Uh, talking to both them cats, and and Jack sent me his book too about free music. I want to play something here by something you gave me called Cold Bleak Heat. What project was this? That was a short-lived group. We put out two albums, but um, Paul Flaherty, saxophone player from Connecticut, and Chris Corsano, who was in Western Mass oh, at the time, drummer. Drummer man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did a ton of stuff together, and I did one record as a trio with them, and then at some point, uh, Matt Hainer, bass player, great bass player, who was playing in the No Neck Blues Band and a group called Test and some other bands, uh, we got together and did a few gigs and went to the studio and recorded. I think that was all Paul Flaherty's instigation. Okay. And Take yeah, we Paul. recorded in a studio and two records came out of that. We played a handful of gigs and then um, we've all played together in different situations, but that quartet hasn't played together in years. Well, then this is a document. Let's listen.
lot for Pedro Show. Never give them what they want. Cold bleak heat. Chris Carsano, yeah. What a stick man with the beat in his hand. And He's then great. some uh, from Poland, Morty, with uh, Zob. <laughs> I picked this song just because you're spe This is spelled W-C-Z-E-S-N-I-E. -E. So, <laughs> I don't know. I know Warsaw, you say Vashava when you're over there. So, <laughs> you know. But they use this one alphabet, right? The Roman alphabet to try to put all, everybody's language in. So, it's, yeah, can understand. And then finally, Hound Dog Taylor's Hand with Rob Mills. No, Millis. Sorry, Rob. And Christopher Burns, Riot Cake. Now, this is this the Chris Burns from uh, Montreal, Canada? Uh, no, he's from Oakland or okay. the Bay Area. I don't East know Bay. if he's from Oakland. East Bay, yeah. That's where Ted... Uh, from Flipper Lives. So, uh, Hound Dog Taylor's Hand. That was the name of the Proj? Yeah, that was a group that existed before I was part of it. But when I moved to Seattle in 2014, I started playing with some of the people in that band. It's a drummer named Mark Ostrowski, bass player John Seaman, and guitar player Jeffrey Taylor, which is, I think, part where the name came, and they'd been playing as a trio for a while. And they asked me to sit in, come to a couple just sessions with them, and then I ended up on all the emails for all the gigs. And I said, wait, am, am I in the band now? And they said, oh, yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> so, yeah, we played together for, yeah, I guess about three years until I, until I moved. And, uh, yeah, because, you, right, you think of the big guitar sound and all this, Seattle. But actually, in the old days, you know, early 80s, late 70s, there was bands like the Beakers. and so They had some crazy experimental stuff. It was when uh, Jane's Addiction went up there and played. They all of a sudden, uh, big change. But <laughs> I remember uh, Portland, Richard Meltzer was, you can actually move to Portland and, and make a living playing jazz, Why? That's what he told me, one of the reasons he moved there. And uh, so it's funny how, uh, well, th I think it kind of ended, but they were trying to like, oh, this is the happening town now for music. And, you know, it's going to be Chapel Hill. It's going to be Seattle, right? I yeah, they always find something. I don't know where it is now. Mark Arm was Online. the only guy I, I know that used the word grunge up there. <laughs> you know, kind of invented kind of things. Uh, the worst word is that alternative one. Look at it, it came back to bite us in the ass. So, uh, so you leave Seattle, you come back uh, back east. Yes. Okay. And uh, in the meantime. Music-wise, yeah, <laughs> like from leaving Seattle, going back uh, back to Massachusetts, music-wise. Yeah, well, that was in June of last year, so. Oh, it was just recently, Jesus. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, because you said 2014. Yeah, I didn't move out. I moved out there for work because when you play the kind of stuff I play, it's hard to make money doing music. So I've worked for an insurance company for 
15 and a half years. So I moved to, to work in an office they had out there and then, um, yeah, just moved back here in June. So it was just a six year period from 2014 to 2020. Okay. 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 So you got the parallel, what, what, what did Franz, uh, Franz Kafka called it the two desks because he worked the insurance man, you know, I think he oh, yeah. came up with the hard hat rules. Oh, really? It's, it's shit like that. Yeah, there's a lot of things about him. You know, he, he was big into the Yiddish theater. He, uh, uh, he, I think he had a big sense of humor. I think he's a pretty misunderstood guy. He died the same, 40 years old, same as John Coltrane. Interesting oh, wow. But he had this, yeah, he had the parallel thing. And he was just going to try to, well, first move out of his parents' house and then try to support himself as a writer. Bad health got him and stuff. Look, we're at the end of second hour, February 19, 2021, Dishwap Pedro Show. Hold, uh, special guest, Greg Kelly. Hold tight for hour three. February 19, 2021, it's the third hour of the Watt Pedro Show.
Watch the Pedro Show. We started the third hour off with Morning. And without the UP, Wally Shoot, Greg Campbell, Greg Kelly, Bill Nace. And we were just saying off air, I, I know Bill. I saw him play with Thurston. Really nice cat. He, he was doing something with uh, Kim, too. Uh, head body or something. Body head. Body yeah. head, yeah. Slash. Uh, between there. And then uh, Crane with Always Returning. And some old slapstick routine. Greg Kelly and Olivia Block. So... What 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 the, the first one here morning this quartet was this a regular band or was it a gig? Well, Bill Nace and I have played a lot ah, over the years. Right. So he was in Western Mass when I was in Boston, so we started playing then, um, and then we did a, a duo tour in what was that two thousand. 12 i think on the east coast and then when i moved out to seattle uh wally shoop is a old school free improvising saxophone player who lived out there who i'd met before so i started playing with him pretty frequently including with this drummer greg campbell and we had a monthly thing going on for a while where we'd just get together and play it wasn't a gig or anything and then bill and I had a duo tour, so he came out a few days earlier, and he wanted to record something with Wally, so we did that quartet, and I think we played once as that quartet live. Okay. And then this uh, thing with Olivia Block? Yeah, Olivia is an electroacoustic composer from Chicago, and I'd met her years ago, but this record label erstwhile records likes to put together duos and trios that haven't existed before so uh john abby who runs that label he'd suggested that olivia and i do an album together and we were both on board with that so i went out to chicago did some recording with her there and then she had made these field recordings i think in new mexico of a uh Basically, a, a trash. I don't even know what you call it, but basically where they process the garbage. So <laughs> she put some microphones in there and told the people who work there, do whatever you want. And they were, you know, taking toilet toilet bowls and throwing them off, you know, 40, 40 floors up, and, or not 40 <laughs> floors, but 40 feet up and those were crashing to the ground. So she had recordings of that and she ended up mixing in our recordings together, some solo recordings I'd sent her and then some of these field recordings she'd made. That's incredible. I want to play this uh, shearing husks and you're the only name on it. That's me.
lot for Pedro Show. Last music for this edition. Greg Kelly, man alone. Man with his horn. Alone. Sheeran Husks. Yeah, I can pronounce that one. And then uh, <laughs> Yoshiaki Fujikawa and the East Asia Orchestra with Divine Gift. And finally, Iron Turtleneck. That's the name of the composition. The, the project is Heathen Shame. Yes. Enlighten us, Greg. Enlighten us. Uh, yeah, one crucial factor in my musical education when I moved back to Boston after school was that a record store opened up called Twisted Village Records. And the people who ran that, uh, Wayne Rogers and Kate Village, had been in a bunch of bands, Vermonster, Crystallized Movements, um, Magic Hour, and then Major Stars, which is still their current band. But they ran this store, which just had, you know, all manner of obscure, experimental, improvised, psych, uh, electronic music. So I started going in there and spending most of my money and became <laughs> friends with them. And they had a gig in Philadelphia opening up for Bardo Pond. Ah, play buds. Shared bill with them. And um, Jason, the drummer, man. Justin, Jason. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not actually sure. He had like kind of pigtails. Where's hair and pigtails. But I, they've gone through different ways. I, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. Yeah, but so major stars were supposed to play this gig, but then the drummer, something came up with the drummer, and then they said, okay, well, we'll just do something without drums, and the bass player at the time, who's now guitar player with them, Tom Leonard, um, at a certain point said, I, I don't think this is a good idea to do this without drums and just go up there and improvise. I, I think it's going to not be great. So he bailed out and then they asked me to do it. And I said, sure. And we were driving down to the gig and we thought, well, should we have a, a band name? And yeah, let's think of something. And I think Wayne had said, what's the worst possible band name we could come up with? <laughs> so Turn we purse. all offered our, our versions of that. And, and Wayne just said, heathen shame. And we all, burst out laughing. We're like, I guess that's the name of the band. That is pretty bad. <laughs> and it turned out Tom was right. The, the, it was a terrible, terrible gig. Uh, well, not the gig itself. It was a good gig, but we played terribly. Well, let but, me ask you about uh, what's the most important thing about an improvised gig, Greg? To you. What's the most important thing? Yeah, it's because I've mean, heard like uh, people say, "Well, you got to be a good listener," and other people, "Well, you got to like take chances." You got, you know, this kind of stuff. Yeah, all of that. I mean, you got to make good music somehow or another, and it involves all of those things. And I mean, what I like about it is there's there's not really a good formula. Um, you do have to listen. You do have to take chances, and sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, you can do all those things and still have a terrible gig and i think on that one i don't think we did anything wrong individually it just it didn't work out you know sure. the pa or something who knows but well, can i ask you about uh this one kind of thing repetition 
it seems improvised music is uh, not in the repetition so much, right? It depends. I mean, some people are, some people are not. Okay. So but, you're uh, saying uh, it's maybe improvised music really allows the character, the person to come out. I think it does. And then you're influenced by all the music you're listening to. So, you know, if you're primarily an improviser and you end up listening to a lot of, you know, repetitive, minimalistic music, then maybe you're, that'll come out and you're improvising. Oh, so, okay. Like humans just gravitate towards shtick no matter what, even if they're trying to be inventing in the moment. You get into kind of patterns you're used to or. Yeah, or habits, and then habits. you try and break them, and right. sometimes you keep you try and keep the ones that work and throw out the ones that don't. Right, and I guess part of that, the editing, improvisers do in real time, in the moment. Right, and then a lot of it just depends on, on who you're with. So I try and play with people that I trust and have a lot of respect for and try to work with what they bring to the table because there are some people that I play with where it's really small, tiny, microscopic sounds that are pretty quiet. And if you're playing with somebody who doesn't play like that, it's, it's, it becomes adversarial if you're, if you're not going to meet them halfway. So it's always about trying to meet, sure. meet people where they are and push them a little bit, have them push you and, the end result ends up hopefully being something that neither one of you would have come up on your own. Right, right. That, yeah, that that really interests me. I, I, I really like that idea. Uh, well, uh, it's been a great honor to have you on the show, Greg. Really, it is. And uh, yeah, people, you don't have to always be on the electric bass. You know, you can be a trumpet man and an improviser man and be very musical and inspiring. And that's what you are to me, Greg. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And hopefully one day in the post-pandemic times, we'll cross paths, maybe play some music together. That would be bitching. Truly. Really. George, send me some fucking stuff to play. I'll trade files with you. Sure. Okay. Count on it. That's a, a promise, not a threat. <laughs> People, it's been the February 19, 2021 edition of Peter Show. Keep your powder dry.